0: Hello, everyone. This is the fifth episode of Bible Beyond, and today we're going to be learning about courage. Our passage comes from Joshua 1, 6 through 9. It says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law, Be strong and courageous is something that you oftentimes find on posters or in letters or just in general conversation. But I think that the idea of being strong and courageous is oftentimes slightly misunderstood. So today, what we're going to do is look at how it's typically interpreted, how it should be interpreted, and how we can put it into practice. All of this and more on Bible Beyond. So we find this passage in the first chapter of the book of Joshua. And just before God is telling everyone to be courageous, we learn that Moses has just died. And this puts Israel in a strange and awkward position. I think that their situation is explained best by Deuteronomy 34, starting in verse 7. It says, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. Now, this is very interesting. Starting in verse 10, it says, And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. This really does a great job of summing up the predicament that Israel is in. You see, they've been in slavery while Moses is performing miracles to free them. Then they're led out of slavery by Moses. Moses then asks God for food and water in the desert. And then Moses delivers the Ten Commandments to Israel. Once those are quickly broken, it's Moses who asks God to forgive them. And then... Right as they're about to enter the Promised Land, which is the entire reason that they left Egypt in the first place, it turns out that Moses, who has been leading them and guiding them this whole time, is not going to bring them across the finish line. It seems like Israel has just lost their ace, so to speak. Because we're told in verse 10, And there has not arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Imagine that. There's no one who can live up to the legacy that Moses had. And you can imagine, after their cherished leader dies, first of all, they're disappointed and they're grieving due to his death. We're told that they mourned for 30 days. But they also probably feel a bit lost. Kind of in a state of, well, where do we go from here? And this is when the need for courage arises. It is at this moment at this time when God tells them that even though Moses has died they can still be strong and courageous courage is a very noble trait to have if you know someone who's brave and courageous you probably respect them for their lack of fear and oftentimes this ability to be brave and to be willing to take risks is what drives human innovation for example Harriet Tubman was an American abolitionist who escaped from slavery in order to find safety in the northern states. Most people would have been satisfied with what they had accomplished at this point, but Harriet went back to the South 13 times in order to rescue a total of 70 people from the oppression that she had once faced herself. Along with other activists like Martin Luther King Jr. and Rosa Parks, they were able to pave the way of the civil rights movement. On July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin became the first men to step onto the moon, a cold and barren place without life. But because of their bravery and the ingenuity of many others, the final frontier finally became accessible to mankind. And as a result, technologies like GPS and the internet became possible. During the attacks of 9-11, numerous firefighters, policemen, and other first responders rushed into the ruins of the Twin Towers to search for survivors. It was courage that led to the achievements, which have made our world what it is today, for better or for worse. And this is typically how bravery is thought of as, a trait that leads you to overcome various obstacles in order to pursue success. And that's true. That's a form of courage which can lead to tremendous success. But that said, I think that biblical courage is misunderstood. If you were to go out and ask people how they would define courage, you would probably get a much different idea of courage than how the Bible describes it. Most people would probably say that courage is something like the ability to act without fear. Or maybe to have fear but to act bravely in spite of it. The Merriam-Webster dictionary defines courage as mental or moral strength to venture, preserve, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. But if we assume that the Merriam-Webster definition is the objective definition of courage, then if I go up to the roof of my house, I jump off and I break my legs, then I was acting with courage. Why? Because I had the mental strength to withstand fear. But here's the thing. The vast majority of people would hear that and say, I didn't act with courage, I acted with stupidity. If courage is exactly how the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines it, then although courage may lead you to saving lives, you could also end up in the hospital. Because withstanding fear is not noble in and of itself. Ignoring fear can be beneficial, but I would argue that if we were to act without fear in everything that we did, then the average outcome would be worse, not better. If jumping off the roof is brave, then we have to accept that courage can be very dangerous. And in light of this, in light of the fact that courage, the world's definition of courage, can lead to catastrophe, courage doesn't seem like such a noble trait to have. So if this is the case, then maybe we shouldn't be brave. Maybe we should just stay home all day and not get out of bed in the morning. But if we did that, first of all, our infrastructure would crumble. But also, the Bible does not condone this type of laziness. Proverbs 6, 6-11 says, Go to the ant, O sluggard; Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. Now please understand. I don't want to undermine the type of courage that has brought technological innovation and social reform. There's definitely a time and place to take some risk. That said, here's my point. If courage is just having the ability to withstand fear, then there really isn't much of a reason for us to get up in the morning. But clearly, that isn't a suitable option either. Here's the predicament. We're not supposed to be lazy, and yet the world's definition of courage would be destructive. So, maybe there's a middle ground that we can try to stay in. Well, amazingly, the Bible changes one tiny detail about how we define courage that fixes all of the problems I just listed. See, a major part of courage is trusting in your ability to succeed. If you don't have the confidence in yourself to believe that you are capable of accomplishing something, then you lose any bravery you once had. That's the thing about how society defines courage. It completely hinges on what you trust. Again, courage is defined as mental or moral strength to venture, preserve, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. But where does the strength come from? Well, in order to not have fear in something, you must trust in something else. For example, if you were to go skydiving, and you trusted that gravity would pull you back to the surface of the earth at such a speed that you would surely die. If you were completely confident that you would not survive the jump, it's pretty much impossible to have courage. You cannot withstand fear or danger if you're completely convinced that fear and danger is exactly what's going to happen. Because what then would you have confidence in? Confidence in a negative outcome makes bravery impossible. Going back to the skydiving analogy, if you have any shred of confidence that the parachute is going to come out, unfurl, and deliver you safely to the ground, then it does become possible to have courage. Why? Because you now recognize a situation where there is a positive outcome. So courage isn't just the ability to ignore fear. No, much more importantly, courage is the ability to trust in something else besides the worst possible scenario. And we see this in the Bible too, where courage and trust seem to be interconnected. Like in Isaiah 12, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust And I will not be afraid. For the Lord my God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Isaiah is saying that he will trust in God, and therefore, because he has hope in something besides disaster, he now has the ability to withstand fear. So if all we have to do is trust in something besides the worst possible outcome, then doesn't that mean there's not a need for God? Can't we just decide that courage comes from trusting in ourselves? Maybe we can just say, believe in yourself and you can do it. You can do anything as long as you believe. Well, there are two problems with this way of thinking, and both stem from the same fact. The fact is that we are not all powerful. As mortal humans, there are considerable limits to what we can and cannot do. And this leads to two issues. First of all, we're going to fail. We will always find out, through one way or another, that what we are capable of is not always enough to succeed. Right, that's obvious. There sometimes arises a situation where we are not capable of success. Secondly, even though you can hope to find strength in your limited ability and imperfect ability, That illusion of strength will eventually be broken when you inevitably fail. And when that happens, you're right back to where you started. With a sense of fear and the realization that you're incapable of the standards that you must meet. And this is the exact position that the Israelites are in. Without Moses, they find themselves in a situation where their strength is not enough to take them to the promised land. So this is when God says, Yes, it is true that Moses is God, and there's never been anyone like him in history, but you can still be courageous, because I have given you the option of finding courage in me, not because of who you are, but because of the reassurance that I provide. This is why 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And this is the small detail in the definition of courage that makes a huge difference in how we can be brave. Some people think that finding strength in God would just be doubting ourselves. But in reality, the only way to gain the courage and bravery that comes from God's omnipotence is to understand that we alone are insufficient. And that any other way, any other thing that we could trust in is ultimately faulty. Proverbs 3:5 does a great job of stating this concept. It says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths." This verse does not say that you have to be perfect or understand everything, quite the opposite. We have to abandon our own understanding. We can't lean on it. We must trust in him, and at this point, He will make straight our paths. So now that we've established what the biblical definition of courage is, I want to take a look at the practicality of this bravery. In other words, how can we enact courage in our daily lives? Well, our original passage in verse 6 through 7 says, Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Then you may have good success wherever you go. What it looks like here is that the Israelites are instructed to be strong and courageous, so that they can drive people out of their land and receive the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Right? It says, be strong and courageous. But why? Because you shall cause these people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. But upon further inspection, I think that God is actually instructing them to be courageous by obeying Him. Not necessarily by going to war, but by following His commands. He's not saying that they need to rush into a burning building to save an elderly woman or Go and climb Mount Everest or to defeat an army in an epic battle. No. He instead instructs them to be brave by obeying him. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't need the courage to go and fight other nations. That could totally happen. But even then, they should go and fight because they're obeying God's commands. He's specifically saying that they need to be brave by trusting him and in turn having courage. So that they can in turn obey him. But why is courage necessary for obedience? If someone were to go to the store and they get in their car and they start driving and they decide not to break the speed limit. You wouldn't say, wow, that was so brave of you, how you never went over 45 miles an hour. No, we don't think of that as something which requires courage. Obedience and courage, they don't seem to be interconnected. But this goes back to the little important detail about being brave. That is, courage requires trust in something, and it must be God instead of ourselves. That means that obedience requires courage because obedience requires trust in God. The Israelites oftentimes were hesitant about obeying God, because they were stranded in the wilderness. Even though Genesis 15, 18 says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Even though they have been given this promise that God would give them this wonderful place, they had to go through the wilderness in order to obtain it. They had to travel through terrain that was barren and without food or water in order to accomplish their mission. And this is why only the biblical version of courage would ever be able to get them to the promised land. Because if they tried to have courage by trusting that they could single-handedly defeat starvation and the kingdoms that they had to drive out, they would never do it. They would never stand a chance against the obstacles that were in their way. So this is why they have to trust in God. They have to trust in God so that they can have courage. They need to have courage to obey God. And they have to obey God in order to enter the promised land. So we know what the worldly definition of courage is, why it doesn't work, and how effective the biblical version of bravery is. The last question which remains is, How do we obtain this sense of courage? Well, first of all, I think that we can all agree that being courageous isn't something that we can turn on and off, right? Some things aren't that simple. If you're hungry, you can easily fix that by eating. If you're cold, you can easily fix that by putting on a sweater. But what about when we're lacking courage? Well, like most emotions, It's hard to easily control them in the way that you can control our temperature or how hungry we are. There really isn't a pill that can make fear go away. So how then can we be courageous? Well, it says in verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Remember what we already established. Courage is, above all, trusting in God, and therefore obeying Him. So what he's saying here is that the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, so that you will obey God and follow His commands, which is having courage. And if you do this, you will have good success. Now, this is a very common theme in the Bible that I like to refer to as the focus on God, not on your problems phenomenon. It's just the idea that our mind should not be focused or worrying about the problems and the stress of life. We should be focused on the goodness of God. And the reason I call it a phenomenon is because it's applicable in so many situations, and it appears all throughout the Bible. For instance, the very second verse in Psalm says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Psalm 36, verse 6 When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. And in Psalm 712, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. So why is it that meditation on God's word, staying focused on who he is, how does that give us courage? Well, it all depends on God's character. It depends on who exactly is it that we're focusing on. So what is God like? Well, I think that we can divide his character into two parts. Firstly, he's all powerful. He's omnipotent. In Matthew 19.26, the disciples are asking Jesus, How can humanity, who is so proud and sinful, possibly be saved? And Jesus answers them saying, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So that's the first point about God's character. He's all-powerful, and therefore has the ability to do anything he pleases. Secondly, he is love. He is the ultimate source of love in the universe. 1 John 4.16 says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. In fact, his love is so great that in Romans 5.8 we're told, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This means that even though we were his enemies when we were at war with God, he still loved us enough to sacrifice his own son for us. So, when you put those two facts together, what do you get? You get a being that not only has the power to do whatever he chooses, but he also loves you. And that is all we need. There isn't a situation on earth that we need to fear. If those two factors are true. If God were to be all-powerful but not loving, we should be very afraid. The same would be true if he were all-loving but not all-powerful, but he isn't. He not only has the power to save us, but he has the massive love for us that drove him to give his own life to save us. And that's all we need. If we had nothing else and every possible situation was against us, we would still have absolutely nothing to fear. Why? Because he has the power and the will to deliver us. So with that in mind, what do you think would happen if we meditated on him day and night? Well, if we meditate on his word, then our mind should be focused on his love and power. And if that's what we're thinking about, then the sense of fear should flee from us. Now, this is the summary of our passage. It is, meditation leads to the knowledge of who God is. The knowledge of who God is leads to trust in him. Trusting in God, not ourselves, but in God, leads to courage. And courage leads to obedience. So the last thing we need to know is, what does obedience lead to? Well, we're told in the last part of verse 8, which says, For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. For the Israelites, good success means that they eventually make it to the Promised Land. But for us, success may look different in our lives. Most of us haven't been promised that we're going to become a great people and be freed from slavery and go to the Promised Land. But that said, there are still many places in our lives where we do need courage. Maybe we're struggling with keeping God's commandments or have an addiction. Or something has happened that has suddenly made our lives turbulent. Or maybe we just want some peace about the current circumstances that we may be facing. And are looking for a clear mind. Whatever it is, the Bible wants us to know that we've been given the courage necessary in order to obey God. So with that, let's close in prayer. Dear God, we thank you for the fact that we have the opportunity to have courage. We've learned today that courage isn't just trusting in ourselves. That would never work. Courage is instead trusting in you and your omnipotence and your power to deliver us from all of our challenges. With this realization in mind, please help us continue to Be more courageous in who you are so that we can obey you and make our way prosperous. Just like the Israelites did when they came out of Egypt and they went into the promised land. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This has been the fifth episode of Bible Beyond. A huge thank you to my grandfather for creating the great music you're listening to right now. And thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more, check back with us on the first of every month when we'll have a new episode ready. For now, have a great day.